Sean, and you are tuned in to Rogue Grace. The first words of Jesus when he rose from the dead, when he appeared to his disciples who had failed miserably, with the exception of John. When Jesus appeared to his disciples in that upper room, he said, Confess your sins. Nope. He said, Peace. (laughs) What a sense of peace when you know your sins have been not imputed to you, but have been forgiven. What a sense of peace when I realize, when I look at Jesus' first words to his disciples who had failed, who had stumbled, who had fallen, was not confess your sin. No, he didn't even say that at all. But peace. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us of our sins. This indeed gives us peace today. I mean, Peter had denied him. They were all hiding in fear. They had split the scene. Except for John. And Jesus says to them upon his resurrection from the dead, Shalom. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Shalom. Right? That's what I got to share yesterday. That was the story just now that I meant to say, meant to share, but I had the scripture down in my notes like I've done for 20 years now. But then I looked at my notes yesterday and I wondered, why is that scripture even there? (laughs) It didn't connect. Now it does. Shalom. As the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Shalom. And that's the first word Jesus says to his disciples. And that's the peace that I have right now when I remember, when I think about yesterday. In both services, I look down, well, particularly the first, the second, I just kind of made light of it. But I look down at the note and I say, I see John chapter 20, I see, quote, confess your sins, and then next to it, shalom. I'm thinking, what? (laughs) There's only a thousand people sitting here. (laughs) What? Now I look back at my notes, I realize, oh, of course, Jesus said, did not say to them, confess your sins. He said, Shalom. And my point was, he will keep in perfect peace. Shalom, whose 
mind is kept on him. And then I was supposed to use that as the example. I've been preaching for 20 years now. I don't think I've ever done that. That that I remember, which that in and of itself is already debatable in my own thinking. But um, I don't think I've ever looked at my notes and say, why is that on my notepad as I'm preaching? So I'm having fun with my brain. The one that was operated on some months ago. But the people at our church are just so kind, patient, generous. As I greeted them on the way out, nothing but kindness and generosity. And I don't think they minded too much either that the church service in its entirety was 45 minutes because of my brain freeze. After all, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> but just so much love and kindness. That's Talk about shalom. If you were at church yesterday, can I, will you receive the blessing that I now give to you in the name of Jesus the Christ? And that is, may you have Shalom. Truly receive that. In fact, we looked at what I did remember to say in Isaiah 26, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is kept on him. I love that. And I pointed out it's literally shalom, shalom. As the soldiers said to my wife, if you were at church yesterday, that's what they said to her. Shalom, shalom. I really don't, I shouldn't even go back over that again. It just makes me ticked. <laughs> oh. So the first word Jesus said to his disciples upon his resurrection was not repent. That's what I would have said. His first word was shalom. And whether you sinned yesterday or like me forgot a sermon point or whatever it may be here's where your peace will come from he is risen from the dead it's not based on what we do now that gives us shalom when we remember that when we think about that. What a peace. What a shalom. I love it. So, I have a lot of peace of mind when I don't remember things, which is becoming the norm in many ways. I'm not... To just talk to you, What if you want to listen to me talk uh, personally for a moment here. We'll get into our rogue grace, our uh, scriptures and, and, and theology in a moment. But um, 
I don't remember a lot of things that happened and I'm fine with it. <laughs> you can call it uh, being senile. That's fine. Or it might be um, brain freeze. That's cool. But I don't remember things and I'm not stressed about it. It's not because I'm so spiritual either. It's because I literally just don't feel stressed. I mean, ignorance, I can tell you, is bliss. And I think about Adam and Eve. That's what God wanted for them. Well, not a brain freeze and not um, brain operation like I had. But um, I think he wanted that kind of innocence, right? Don't take the knowledge of good and evil. Walk with me. Know me. Love me. That's all you need. You don't need the knowledge of good and evil. And they wanted it. Eve wanted the knowledge of good and evil, and we've been in a mess since then, haven't we? So I kind of like enjoy the less knowledge of good and evil that I've been experiencing. In fact, even while I'm talking, I'm writing these things down because I'll forget what I said. Literally, I will. In five minutes. <laughs> What a way to live. It's really, I'm probably over-exaggerating it, no doubt. But you got to see firsthand if you were at church yesterday or tuned in on the radio, the adventures of brain freeze. But I did enjoy preaching the gospel. I did enjoy talking about the gospel of David yesterday. How... There were five giants slain. Maybe that's why he had his five stones. I don't know. He takes down the biggest one, the first one, right? So the four guys that followed also took down giants. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The God of Shalom.
one Don't you hear the song we sing Oh, there might be tears We're more than our fears We are marching on There's a price we have to pay Love means taking on The weight of what was won Child, don't grow weary Soon we will see the sun Shit, MLD. MLK. How do you like my brain now? <laughs> you know, the beauty, the power of the fact that Jesus took upon himself a crown of thorns 
as you know. To me reminds us of the rest that he gives to you and me in the area of our minds. Yep. Like I was saying last segment, my brain freezes sometimes, but that can be okay. Because it gives you peace of mind, (laughs) kind of a rest. But um, let's consider for this segment where rest begins. Rest begins in your mind, in your thoughts. You know, what's interesting is Jesus said, take no thought. You know how many times he said that? Take no thought. In the Sermon on the Mount, five different times. He said, for example, you know, take no thought about tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its own. I mean, I think about the manna that came down in the wilderness experience of the Jewish people. They couldn't store it up. They had to take it one day at a time. The manna will be there, but God gives it, gave it one day at a time. So too, with his grace, the manna will be there. His grace will be there, but he gives grace one day at a time. Enjoy the present day. Take no thought for tomorrow. Right? Look at the temple with me or consider it with me. We can't look at it. It doesn't even exist right now or any longer in Jerusalem. But the whole temple in the days of the Bible, of the, of the Old Testament, would be busy, busy, busy in the outer court with all the sacrifices, busy in the inner court with the priestly ministry, but in the Holy of Holies. There would be no activity. There would be perfect peace because that was where God dwells. That's where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. So too, outwardly, here's what I want to say. Like the temple, this temple, you and I, right? Your body, my body. Outwardly, we might be busy. That's good. And our minds might be somewhat busy, That's fine. But in the deepest part of us, where God dwells, there must be peace, shalom. And it's because he is there. Here's another example of this. The priests that were working in the temple, right? As you you may remember, They were told by Moses, it was written in the law that they were to wear linen, white linen. And they wore the linen on their heads because God gives us peace of mind. See, sweat speaks of um, the curse of human effort. And I don't mean literally, just in case my kids are listening. See, dad? We don't have to sweat. We don't have to do chores. No, I'm talking about symptomatically speaks of the curse of human effort. God said, by the sweat of your brow, you will now work. 
So the curse is not your job, but it's the sweat of your face, the stress of your job in order to eat bread. In other words, the good things of life will come because of your effort or your stress. The good things, money, you know, lifestyle, provision, but then grace comes. Jesus redeemed us from the sweat of our brow, so to speak, when he sweated in the garden drops of blood. He sweated drops of blood because he's redeeming us in the area of our minds and in our spirits, in the inner court and the holy of holies of who you are. You can be as busy as anything outwardly. That's fine. That's good. If you're working hard or you're hanging out with your family or whatever it might be, good. But inwardly, there's a perfect peace, a shalom, shalom. Because Jesus sweated blood, now we have been set free from the burden of anxiety. Whenever we put our minds upon him, by that I mean remembering he finished the work. So the priests wore linen around their heads. Isn't that cool? Literally, I think so. The price Jesus paid for peace in our minds was that they crushed a crown of thorns upon his head. That's how important peace of mind is. That's the price that he was willing to pay. That alone gives me peace of mind. Jesus, what a price you paid. You didn't just have a brain freeze like I might have. You had thorns in your brow. Now that I receive that because of the thorns in your brow, I can have peace of mind. And repentance is even that. You know, repentance, metanoia, literally means the changing of the mind. It's not a curse to repent. It's not a burden to repent. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to change our minds about areas, things, problems, politics, sins. That's the kind of peace that Jesus Christ gives. Shalom, shalom. We'll be right back.
And I want to give you um, a word of encouragement if you read the Bible and it doesn't feel or seem as though you have all kinds of insights and revelation. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. I want to tell you from my point of view, in light of yesterday, okay, right? I had sermon, I had to wrap it up like halfway done because I couldn't remember what to say, even though it was on my notes or what have you, fine. So what I'm saying is when I read the Bible, it's a whole different way of reading the Bible than I did before my brain operation, (laughs) operations. I'd read the Bible and then, you know, four points would come into my mind or things that I heard when I was as a kid or something from commentary. Great. I read the Bible now and a lot, most of, let's just say none of that comes to my mind. Hardly anything comes to my mind as far as those applications. So I'm just telling you my perspective. I don't know if it might help you to, to know that that's how I read the Bible. And so what right now I'm reading through the Bible I'm in, just finished up the book of 2 Kings. So I'm in 1 Chronicles because I'm going right through the Bible, reading it. And guess what? Very rarely do I have a light bulb on in my head, you know, an aha moment. Very rarely when I read the Bible. But it gives me just as much, if not even more peace, shalom, peace, than I've ever had before reading the Bible. For whatever that's worth. 
maybe you can relate when you read the Bible. Keep reading it. Read right through it. Read your Bible because it will give you peace. The Gospel of John says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That little word, and, grace and truth, John chapter 1, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That little word, and, is is not in the literal translation of that text. It's put in there for our English language, but it's not there in the original Greek language. It, there's no need for it to be there. There's no such thing as it there. Just says grace, truth came. The law was given, but grace, truth came. I love that. I think sometimes we think, okay, um, we need grace, but then we also need truth because they balance each other out. No. Grace, truth. It's a singular verb. Literally, grace, truth came by Jesus Christ. They come together. Truth is on the side of grace. Grace is on the side of truth. The law came by Moses, but grace, truth, came by Jesus Christ.
I know of a man who bought a, Mer- a brand new Mercedes Benz. Up to that point, he had driven an old Chevy car, put a bunch of miles on it. When his teenage daughter obtained her driver's license, he offered to let her drive the Chevy, the old Chevy, because it was a stick shift and he wanted her to learn how to drive it. Now, she obviously had her sights on the Mercedes. The Mercedes was an automatic transmission and he told her that if she finally figured out how to master the manual transmission, he might let her drive the Mercedes. Driving the automatic transmission would be easy because she had mastered the manual one and therefore he could trust her with it. These days we spend on this earth in these bodies are like that older Chevy. We are learning the gears as we put the miles on it, but it will all contribute to the quote Mercedes that awaits us in our resurrection. When Jesus stated that in his father's house are many rooms and he is going to prepare a place for you and I, I believe the real preparation is in teaching us how to get it in gear when it comes to appropriating and trusting in the finished work of the cross. He's preparing us to step into and enjoy that which has been prepared for us. Of all the descriptions that Jesus might have used to communicate what lies beyond the grave, he chose to use my father's house. The father's house is where when we arrive, we will finally be able to say, I'm home. It's been said home is the place that when you get there, they have to let you in. (laughs) Heaven will have to let us in is the implication that Jesus is making by calling it our father's house. No one has to let you come in as when you are family. There are places you might go where you're accepted by folks. Who do not genuinely know you. There are places you go where you are genuinely known. But on that basis, folks don't accept you. But in the father's house, you will both be known and accepted. On a genuine basis. Because that basis is on the finished work of the cross. And on that basis alone does heaven, quote, have to let you in. So I just read that's a a transcript from my book. It is finished. I don't even remember writing that, but I like reading it. (laughs) And thanks to Patty Purcell for editing it while I was in the hospital. It needed to be done. She did it. So you can pick up the book online if you want. Um, you can go on my um, website if you want. It's uh, You can go on Applegate and then Peter John Corson. You can click on my name or just do peterjohncorson.com. 
get the book if you, if if you like or are more interested in the finished work of the cross thinking about it pondering it there's lots to think about a lifetime when it comes to the finished work of the cross this is a good day Jesus your mercy it is new for me it is new for me be praised let our worship rise in this place to the king of love cause you're always good always good this is a good day Jesus your mercy it is new for me it is new for me Proverbs 17.9 He who covers over an offense promotes love. 
but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You know why Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother? He covers over our offenses. That promotes love. He doesn't repeat the matter. That separates the closest of friends, Proverbs says. But Jesus doesn't repeat the matter. It's a new beginning. Isn't that beautiful? Look at Peter failed. He denied Jesus three times. And three times Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And the second and the third time he said, asked him, will you feed my sheep? The word for feed, literally, we would translate it is pastor. You failed, Peter. That's not what Jesus is saying, but that's what the statement in entirety is saying. You failed, so now lead. (laughs) You failed, so now pastor. Three strikes and you're in. Therefore, who better to preach the gospel than Peter? The gospel is three strikes and you're in. I know some people probably don't like me to say that. They don't like to hear that. Even right now. I don't care. It's true. I gave a a little anecdote a few months ago, I think now, but I'll repeat it right now about the people that God uses, right? I've said this, I think before on the air, but it's worth repeating. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Thanks for tuning in. 
you can download or you can get these Rogue Grace episodes for your podcast if you want. Just go to peterjohncorson.com. Come on out tonight as my brother Benjamin is going to remind us about hope. It's always good to be reminded about that subject, is it not? Looking forward to seeing you. Well, actually, I won't be there tonight because I'm having a brain scan. (laughs) Just thought I'd say that. Lord willing, I will talk to you tomorrow.